Welcome to the round 15 Supercoach Coach Podcast. I'm Marcus, and this week, joined by FB Donkey. Welcome back. G'day, mate. Great to be back. And CJ, welcome back onto the show, mate. Thanks for having me again. Good to be here. Maybe we'll make a brilliant show. But I think, um, CJ, you do think about things quite differently to me, and we have got pretty different teams, whereas Marcus and I are pretty similar. So it'd be good to have you on. Hopefully you can shout me down. Um, I'm not coming in too well, so we'll, we'll have it. We'll see how we go. <laughs> Let's go around the grounds as we do each week. And Donk, you took the chockies this week, so why don't you kick us off? Yeah, it's definitely did, Marcus. Uh, things I got really lucky this week. I think nineteen fifty four which probably didn't look like it was going to be a great score coming into the Sunday. But I got a bit lucky with captains. Like I picked McRae as my vice, which worked out really well. Bruce going down really early was obviously good for my team. Wits not doing so well was good for my team. I think I got lucky from mainly players that I didn't have. And yeah, a few of the players that I do have, like Dawson, doing quite well. So I ended up just inside the top 5K after the buys, which was... About a 3,000 place increase in rank overall. Probably not quite as high as I was hoping, but uh, I'll take it. I was sandwiched in the middle of you two, so I'll go next. 1848, which was enough for me to fall behind you. I'm sitting at 6,000 uh, rank. Still went up a little bit, which, yeah, not too upset about. But by period overall, was pretty much treading water for myself. So not an ideal scenario, but I. Had some very near misses and some of my trade-ins just have performed terribly on the weekend, including Jared Witts scoring 68 in his first week for my team, which was particularly painful. You were, Marcus, asking me about Bruce versus Witts just before the game, so things worked out pretty well, really. It could have been a lot worse, but I was considering taking a forward instead, and now I'm wondering whether or not that was the better decision, but that's all right. I've got... Wits Darcy, uh, and that means I can play English in the forward line. So hopefully I have maxed out potential scoring on the run home. We'll just see if these players can keep up their first half of the year run. Uh, if they hold their averages, I should be in for uh, a pretty good second half of the season. So I'm, I'm hoping on that to uh, crawl past you. <laughs> CJ, how'd you go this week? Uh, you keep saying this name of Bruce, and the man's dead to me. He is absolutely torpedoed my my week. I had a shocker. I had a seventeen sixty three. Um, so I'm still ranked just outside four k. I'm four thousand and seventieth. So I'm still beating the two of you, which is obviously positive. Um, I'm not sure what you two are doing. If I'm having a week that badly and you haven't caught me, I held Bruce the whole time, and I was really excited. No Flynn, number one ruck. Here we go, boys. Proust to the moon. Tim English, a delayed concussion and get subbed out with a 17, which is great. I brought in Angwin last week who scored 13, so did even worse. And he's now out for eight weeks or so with a fractured tibia, I believe. <laughs> I don't have McRae. I brought in Laird over bringing McRae back in this week, which either one would have been my captain. So that didn't go too well. And I also brought in Jared Witts. Yeah, it was a really, it was a good week last week. I need to stop watching GWS games. I don't have Canelio and he's killing me. I don't have Himmelberg and it's killing me. 
and I have Proust, which is killing me. Fingers crossed. The team's looking okay. I've got a few issues this week. Namely, I've got all of Proust, Tickle, and Dunkley, which means, yeah, I'm going to have to do some, some interesting things like bringing in a, probably have to bring in a ruck this week. So I'm kind of looking at Darcy versus Jackson, but we'll persevere. And I think at least my bad week was in a best 18 round. So my scores of 13 and 17 didn't count. I got Rioli's 25 as a sub. So that was obviously <laughs> great for Rioli. All right, let's go to our Super Coach Coach community and have a look at how our groups went. Top scorer in our Super Coach Coach group was Williams team Tuk Tuk. 20.82 was his score, pushing him into uh, the top 700. So congratulations to William. And in our Patreon group, top score there was Daniel's Masses Machine and into about 3,000 ranks. So congratulations to both and should call out as well. Jimmy's team, Hungry Heracross, has ended up 16th after the buy period. Uh, shout out to Jimmy, who's absolutely killing it at the moment. And in our main Supercoach coach group, overall rank there of 12 uh, is Dino's team, the landlord. So a couple of the Supercoach coach community in the top 20 after the buys. Uh, we'll be keeping track on how they go in the run home. Alrighty. In terms of the topics this week, we are going to cover two injuries, Suck Butters and Braden Pruce. I'm not too sure what the news with Pruce is, but I think he's at least suspended for one round. And Butters apparently has done a grade two medial strain, which he was only out for one week last week. So uh, anyone have news on Pruce? The consensus seems to be that Pruce is likely to play after his week off. There's something about enormous Ruckman and healing quickly from injuries, but also picking them up like no tomorrow. I think Proust and Darcy are made of the same material. GWS are optimistic he'll be back after this week, which raises an interesting dilemma as to whether to hold him or to turf him. All right, why don't we start with Proust? I guess the question with Proust is, do you see him as a keeper in the long term? Because with the price movements, um, you're not really going to be able to ladder him into, I guess, a top tier premium considering he just scored a 17. So it's going to take a couple of rounds for that to cycle out and then some big scores to bring that back up. So if you're looking to use him as a step ladder, then this week might be the week. But I know a lot of people were considering him a 110 averaging Ruckman moving forward anyway, based on the scores he's pushed out so far. I, I guess the question remains uh, his ability to continually get on park. What do you reckon, Donk? Should you bite the bullet and trade him out if you have him, or would you be considering holding Proust? And how much does your bench factor into all that? Yeah, great questions. And I think I was interested to hear CJ's more emotional response to this question. Especially because <laughs> obviously until the weekend, CJ had a very strong opinion that Bruce was a keeper because he'd kept him over the bye period and over him missing a couple of weeks and that he was someone you wanted in your team. So it'd be interesting to see whether that 17 does change things for me. Um, I think he's been suspended three times already this year, injured a couple of times, has a history of missing games, like a pretty long history of missing games. So from that perspective, if you can and you've got the trades, it's probably worth just moving on. And, and especially because 
the backup options are so poor now. So it's not like we've got Sam Hayes sitting there on the benches anymore. We've got Tickle, who so unfortunately got injured. It's not as if you can switch English into your rucks for a week. Potentially, if you've got Darcy Cameron, you could use him for a week and get by that way. The problem with Bruce as well is that he's going to require money to upgrade it's going to be hard to side swap him to anyone that's going to score decent points better than your projections on Bruce so for me he's I'd probably lean towards trading in most cases um, I wouldn't really want to be copying a zero at this time of the year but I can imagine that there are teams out there where you could actually survive this week and hope he comes good yeah it's a tough one but I've still got a boost left which is yeah rarer than hen's teeth at this time of the year um, so I actually We'll be able to deal with both Bruce and Butters and do a downgrade to facilitate trading them to good players. So for me, I think I'm likely to actually just use this as an opportunity to upgrade both of them. I do still think that Bruce has the ability to be a keeper. He hadn't dropped below 100 all of the games he's played this year. He's very injury prone, but so is someone like Sean Darcy and even Wits has been very durable this year, but previously has also really not had the durability that we tend to like the days of the set and forget, you know, Max Gorn and Brody Grundy really, uh, gee, they, they were good, were they? I think Proust could still be 110 average guy. His ruck run to finish the year is really soft. The only really established ruckman, hit out ruckman he plays is Sean Darcy in round 23. And I guess he plays a uh, big O in round 18. But outside of that, he's got a very soft schedule. So I think if he's on the park, he should score well. The issue is whether that's actually going to happen. If you're in a position where you didn't have many trades left, I would probably just cop the donut and not move him because I'm not sure there are many great options to replace him with. For me, it's just very unfortunate that English is injured this week. I think for me, I don't have Darcy, so I think I'm going to go from one injury-prone giant to another. And that's going to be my, my solution to the issue. But I, I wouldn't begrudge anyone holding Proust and copying the donut, particularly if you're in a situation where you have three trades left and you've gone really hard early. I think it's probably better than going to someone like a Luke Jackson. For me, Proust probably um, still offers the, the upside that, yeah, not many other guys around his price range do. It's interesting with the Ruck run. I think he's playing Hawthorne and Port presuming he comes back after the suspension against Collingwood. And even though his break even is high, if he scores 110 in a couple of rounds, he actually only drops 20K in price. Mm. I think the temptation is also largely based on the opposition, which you mentioned as well. So it's an interesting one. I just feel like if you have English, that's probably the only situation where you could be happy continuing to risk his body and injury history body and suspension history, I should say. But uh, if you don't have reliable cover, then you'd be pretty tempted to bite the bullet and trade him this week. Cameron, Goldstein, and English, I think if you have any of those three, that's potentially a little bit more reason to hold on to him. Luke Jackson is the interesting player in the equation. Bruce is at 444,000, and Luke Jackson is 381,000. So you pick up about 60 plus K if you cash him in. And the temptation with Jackson has got to be the fact that Gorn is out for two to four weeks based on last week's prognosis uh, as the sole ruck. And he was averaging about 100 for the first few rounds of the season. Was looking particularly good before regressing to some poorer scores. He actually hasn't hit the ton since round four. 
He's got a run of Brisbane, Adelaide, Geelong, Port, Bulldogs, Frio. Actually, some decent ruckmen that he's coming up against. So doesn't have the cruisiest ruck run to come. But at 381000 and the flexibility that he offers, he's at a price point where if you have enough trades, you might even be able to just push him onto the bench at some stage once Gordon comes back into the team. So he's certainly an interesting prospect. We did get some questions around him from our Patreon community. Uh, what do you reckon about his ability to average, let's say, 90-plus in Gorn's absence? So one of our patrons, Greg Taylor, that's all he's looking for, 90-plus off that price point. Do you think that's a, a possible price point, and what's a reasonable target for Luke Jackson, do you reckon? A great question. I think that the key part to that question is, can he average that during Gorn's absence, and how long is that absence? So at the, today, he was listed as two to four on the injury list. I think the original prognosis was like four to eight weeks. Um, my worry with Gorn is that he's a sort of player that is probably likely to come back pretty quickly. Um, and so if it's only two weeks that you get out of Jackson and Gorn comes back, then he, if whether he averages 90 or 100 that period, it's not a huge win for you because he'll probably go back to his sort of 70, 75 average after that, which is um, just not going to be enough. I am personally actually considering him, as bring him in as bench cover because uh, with English and Butters out this week, it's just a bit tricky and um, I don't like copying those scores and I can basically side swap Hobbs to him for 50k more. So definitely in considerations for me, not really someone I'd be liking to have on field beyond two weeks time. I'd be wanting to plan him around him being a bench player. I think that potentially you've got the massive contract from Freo and West Coast weighing on him and that could have been affecting him over the last eight weeks. You've got Melbourne coming off three losses, so are they going to try and rush Gorn back into the team, especially if they lose again this week against Brisbane? Um, this probably becomes more likely. So, yeah, I'm pretty sceptical on him, but then you're only paying 380. I guess if he averages 80, you spike a couple of good scores over the next two weeks, then you're not doing too badly. Can I test some other options that have DPP flexibility? Darcy Cameron, Todd Goldstein, are these players that are potentially tempting as replacements for Cruz with maybe the ability to swing them forward at some point and trade out and underperforming forward to, let's say, Gorn when he gets back? Any temptation on, on these players who are a little bit cheaper as well? Cameron, 519, Goldstein, 530, compared to paying 590 for Witsy or paying up a little bit more for Sean Darcy. Darcy's only 560, so that's a pretty good price, really. I think CJ's onto something that he's, you're getting a pretty good discount on Darcy's. Um, I don't mind paying that. Cameron doesn't interest me at all. Grundy's predicted to be out for another only four weeks. So if Grundy comes back in, they might keep Cameron in the ruck for a bit more than he was, but surely his scoring is going to go down as a result of that. And Goldstein, you look at Goldstein's run over the last really seven to eight weeks, his scoring has been awesome. And only 520, I don't hate the Goldstein pick. And his draw for the rest of the year as a ruck isn't too bad either. It's not bad, but it's, not, it's also not the best. Like he plays... You know, Riley O'Brien, depends what Geelong's doing. Elizabethine doing a reasonably job, was a good job as a negating ruck. But yeah, the rest of the draw is a bit soft. But he does play Riley O'Brien twice and wits in the last round. So if you're playing for league, I think 
Goldie's maybe a little bit less of a viable option. I think for me, Darcy stands out as kind of the clear, to me, seems like he's a lot more of a realistic option for not particularly much more than Todd Goldstein. Again, I agree with you, Mark. Cameron's not really the guy that interests me at all. I think I'd be, yeah, on the Goldstein train, definitely well ahead of getting on Cameron. But yeah, to me, I think you either go big here and find the cash for a someone who has the potential to be one of the best scorers in the game, or you go down to Jackson with the idea of him being on your field for two weeks and then you're either finding a way to turn him back into a Max Gorn or turning someone else or keeping him as cover for the rest of the year. That to me seems like the most sensible option rather than kind of risking it on on one of these other two guys. Yeah, I think English, if you were a non-owner and you had Pruce, was probably the best option. So it's a bit unlucky that he's out for a concussion, ironically, from Pruce. But yeah, otherwise agree with the comments like Darcy or Jackson would be where I'd go as well. If you can afford wits and you already have Darcy, then I, anyway. I think paying up is not the worst idea, even though his break-even is particularly high at the moment. Final question on Luke Jackson. This is from Nick Banks. He's got English and wits from presumably the R3 is not going to help. He's wondering, what about bringing Jackson in to cover English's donut for the week with the idea of side-swapping him to Baz? Smith when he comes back from his suspensions. Any thoughts on that, Doc? The problem with that is that the, the, there's no guarantees there. So if Gorn comes back early, that stalls his price movements. And he doesn't actually have a big score on the board that he's moving from. So I think he scored 84 in his last game, break even above 50. It's not like you're bringing in like a Toby Green who scored 150 on the weekend. And in two weeks, you expect to be able to gain 100k and you can swap him across. Jackson, you're hoping that he has two big weeks and can get his price moving. So I think that having an idea that you might move Jackson on again is not a bad strategy, but there's a lot of risk in doing that, that his price might stall in the low 400s. Particularly with Oscar McInerney, who's been in pretty good form, and Riley O'Brien is his next two ruck opponents. Like You would assume he's not really going to get a huge number of hitouts. He's going to be trying to get his points from tackles and his groundwork, which he is good at. But I think you're not going to get some uh, free points from hitouts to advantage that would really push him from being probably around a 90 to actually being able to jag a 120 or a 130. We've seen examples like Cameron and Goldstein, the two that we just talked about, where once they've received the number one ruck mantle, they went from looking pretty hopeless at pretty much the similar price point, 300k for both those two players, to now being top forward slash rock options in the interim until those players return. So am I hearing a low level of confidence in Jackson's ability to actually wind up big scores over the next few rounds? Because I thought with his talent and who he's tapping to, like you'd think that there's some good points coming up for Jackson until Gordon gets back in. And that's still a couple of rounds at the earliest. Yeah, I don't want to be too skeptical because like I said, there's a decent chance that I'm actually going to be bringing him in this week. And I do expect him to score well. It's just that being able to sideswap him to someone like Gorn might be a bit out of reach because you're hoping that he's going to make 200k and whether the time frames actually align. If Gorn was out for seven or eight weeks, like guaranteed, I would be yeah. all over Luke Jackson right now. Yeah, definitely. I think also comparing him to Goldstein is probably not the most fair comparison. Goldstein's obviously 
he has been, you know, one of the best rucks in the game for a while. And even though he's slowed down, he's still an incredible tap ruckman. I think Cameron's a much better comparison. A guy who is not the best tap ruck, but is better at going forward, kicking goals and gets his points from being in the center bounces and uh, applying pressure. Given the way that Cameron's reacted to having the number one role and playing more midfield minutes, you could expect a similar jump from Jackson. But the difference is Cameron's had an extended period of time with Grundy out. Whereas, yeah, if it's only two weeks and then he's back to dropping kind of 60s, 70s, 80s, then all of a sudden, as Mark said, there's a real real risk that you're kind of shopping in the 450 to 470 price bracket and you're looking at guys like butters or compromised forward options as opposed to being able to bring in a proper forward premium like Bailey Smith. Yeah, I think he's going to be one of those guys where it's you take him because it's the best of a bad bunch of options rather than him being someone I'm actively excited to bring in. If you had have brought Bruce in last week, would you be trading him this week? Whether or not you brought him in last week's irrelevant. I think you treat each week as a completely new new week. You just have a precise problem in your team. Whether or not you brought him in last week shouldn't really compound or change your decision making for this week. I didn't bring Bruce back in after trading him out because I was worried about ultimately his uh, ability to stay on the park, whether that was through injuries or form or whatever else. So I think like, even though there is an element of truth to what you're saying, CJ, if you traded him in as a risk option, but you were worried about the potential for him to stay on park and that backfired in the first week, that can confirm your prior suspicions and be enough of an impetus to move. So it, it really depends on like your number of trades left and there's a bunch of factors that do play into it. A lot harder not to be completely removed from emotion from it. I guess I personally would be looking to trade him back out if I brought him in and whether or not CJ said he was a fresh trade in or not, I think it's just three suspensions in one year is probably enough on top of the injury risk and the form risk that and the it, GWS risk <laughs> that it feels like it's an okay time to move him out. I'm probably also a little bit more optimistic on Jackson. I think y'all have made decent points around Cameron and Goldstein, but I think we're sort of underestimating the fact that they play for Collingwood and North Melbourne, whereas Jackson's playing for, yes, they have lost three weeks in a row, but what was, well, still are the premiership favorites tapping to Petrarca, Oliver, and Jack Viney. I just think it's a particularly attractive option. Like I don't have a need to really bring Jackson in this week, but I'm considering him as, I guess, some cover and to have his score in for English at 360 something K. Like it just seems like a fair bargain. So. I'm probably more motivated to move on Proust just because I think Jackson's a attractive trade-in target this week. All right, let's move to Zach Butters. Uh, we've spent a fair bit of time in the rucks and keen to get your thoughts. Uh, the risk with Butters is that medial takes longer than just the one week. Do you know the exact injury prognosis or the length of time that these supposed it's to a, be out? It's a grade two medial, which generally a two to three week injury. Butters has had this exact thing before, and apparently it's something you can strap quite well 
and still perform. Like it's something that responds well to, to strapping and reinforcement. So I think there is a distinctly non-zero chance he's going to be out for a week, but I think one to two is a pretty good estimate. So we got a question here from Braden Tui. Butters to Wits or Butters to Jackson. So I'm wondering, would you first trade Butters? And if so, would you be trying to go for an expensive option, whether that's in the rucks or a forward line? Or would you be looking at Jackson potentially as a replacement for Butters in the forward line, as well as Cruz, who we just talked about? What do you reckon, Doc? Nick, do need to step back a little bit because this whole show was about trading Proust and Butters. And I think that all of us are potentially leaning towards trading both of them because the, there are other concerns. It's like, oh, they're injured. So that's an excuse to move them on in some senses. But realistically, trading one week injuries is not what we're about in general. Potentially with the extra trades this week, we're more likely to do it. But I do think that there's other reasons why we're sort of leaning towards trading them. I think I'll probably will trade Butters. I'm looking at a Isaac Heaney, so just going straight to a forward sort of option. I don't, I don't have enough money for some of the more expensive forwards. Bontempelli would be where I'd go if you could. English would be great. I don't know whether Butters to Jackson, like it's a bit of a short-term fix and you might have to just reverse that trade in a few weeks' time, potentially. The other side of it is that Butters was on 60 points a quarter time, so we may have been seeing Butters about to have a huge game, um, and just as he was doing that, he gets injured. Yes, I blame you for this, Mark. I posted in the group chat that I can't wait for Butters to score a 60 this week as a, as trying to put the reverse jinx on him. And then come quarter time, you said at quarter time, and then you've absolutely put the buzzer. This is entirely on you. I'll take that. <laughs> I agree with the stepping back and qualifying that there are other reasons why you would consider trading Butters beyond just the injury. Especially if you do not have Bontempelli, that's a big re reason to do that. There's still question marks in terms of who the sixth forward is until Baz gets back. So depending on the options that you already have in your team, there's potentially reasons to say it might not be the worst idea to hold Butters if you're low on trades or whatever else. I traded Butters out over the buys uh, with the rationale being I was worried about him keeping up with the top six forward. So I'm going to be biased in using this as an excuse to say trade butters out. But if you're low on trades or if you have bench cover, there's some people who did go down the strategy of picking up their bench cover instead, then it might not be the worst idea. So even trading butters to Jackson may not have to be the call. Some teams are in the fortunate position where they might just be able to bring Jackson in as a sub and then you can, I guess, loophole between Jackson and Butters on the run home. I don't think he's a must trade out, but depending on who you can hit, and especially if you don't have a Bontempelli, a Parker, those types of plays, then you'd be pretty tempted to use this opportunity to upgrade as well as dodging a donut for the week. Um, yeah, I think Mark hit the nail on the head with, I think, why we're thinking about training up. Bruce and Butters is because they're for a lot of players in the worst couple of guys in their 22. And so it feels a little bit like it's an upgrade as well as a reason to get off them. I think for me, because they are filling that role, I would be really tempted to, instead of going down or kind of sideways with one of them, if you have, you know, a way to generate the cash, I think I'd prefer to try and get them 
up to a guy who's in your top four or five in the line rather than trying to get creative and going down to, you know, a side sidewaysing guys who are kind of in the 450k range is a recipe for you wanting to delete your team really quickly because they're that price for a reason. They have inconsistencies. Heaney started the year like a house on fire. I think he got up to about 580k and then proceeded to have a few, yeah, a few poor games where he's tapered off. Yeah, Butters is an erratic player with his scoring like that. He seems to get injured a lot. So I think for me, I'd trade Butters to someone who you feel confident is going to have a good end to the year. So yeah, your, your Bontempelli's, your Dunkley's, your Parker's, yeah. English if he isn't injured, then I would be doing that. But I think he, it's okay to hold one of Proust and Butters, but I'd probably look at upgrading at least one of them. Now, final question on these injuries, and we're moving on to what if you have both, essentially. So yeah. Jimmy Faruga has got both, uh, similar to you, Siege, and he has no cash. So in the situation where you're faced with that and you do not have a boost left, are you better off going to weaker premiums or taking a risk like Jackson, taking two weaker premiums and taking a risk on tomahawk or uh, would you prefer to take a top tier premium and then take a more speculative mid pricer any thoughts on that mark in that situation i think that you probably do have to lean towards a luke jackson if you just have no cash at all and can't force an upgrade i think that it's just the right time like the timing's just too good not to take jackson and hope he could hope he does well and take a proper premium in the other spot what do you think cj yeah, I agree. I think if you've got a time to cash in bank, you can probably get Jackson and Libertore or Jackson and Canelio if you don't have cogs like me because you're an idiot. You obviously um, don't listen to this podcast. I do, I do listen to the <laughs> podcast. I was trading, trading out both cogs and butters. I just, yeah, had a few more injuries than I would have expected. Having kind of three players get injured in one uh, in one round is really not um not anything I'd recommend. Um, I think I've, yeah, I've really pissed off the super coach gods this, this week. So, uh, I was feeling pretty flush with trades now. I'm, now I'm really not. Yeah. I think Jackson to me seems like the guy that if you need to generate some cash to kind of go down and up, I quite like that. I'd be a bit worried taking two compromised options, but it's also, there's not really anyone you can take from Proust that isn't, isn't a bona fide. So going Proust up to say a, like a Darcy really doesn't leave you much cash at all. So Jackson feels like about the only option there. If you're trying to generate some cash to turn you forward into a premium forward and turn Proust into Jackson, it's not a great situation. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of Luke Jackson takers this week, particularly with English going down and knowing our luck that will probably go just as well as some of my previous trade-ins, but yeah, we can, we can cross our fingers and jump all aboard the Luke Jackson train. The other option is just to say, Hey, both these guys are out for one week. Who am I more likely to want to potentially risk keeping for the remainder of the year and upgrade one of those two players and then see if the other player returns the next week, right? So you could keep mm. or butters. Both a chance to return next week. Either of you consider that and go to a sort of rolled gold option versus. I've, yeah, I've thought about that. If you're going to keep one of the two, I think I'd rather keep Proust than Butters. 
mostly because it seems much more likely that Proust is back after his week off than Butters to me feels like one to two. Proust is more likely to be just one. I also think despite the injury and suspension risk, I'd probably equate Proust's injury risk to Butters' injury risk. They're both very injury-prone players. And I guess the suspension risk on top maybe lean slightly butters in that situation, but they're both quite injury-prone players. So I'd probably lean towards keeping Proust just because he has quite a good draw and it's much harder to find anyone to get him to. But the issue with that is it pretty much necessitates taking a donut this week, trying to hold Proust for pretty much every side, given that English is out. So with that in mind, I think, yeah, it squares a ledger back towards holding Butters and trading out Proust. I think in an ideal world, you keep Proust over Butters, but given you're probably copying a donut, I think that means, yeah, trading Proust before Butters. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And it really comes down to trade count a little bit. Like, can you really be affording to trade two players that potentially have one to two weekers at this stage of the year? If you've got less than seven trades, that's probably going to leave you pretty light on for the run home. Cool. I'll just finish by saying that Bontempelli is the most popular trade-in target for the week, coming into 3.4% of the team. So anybody who's just trading out butters is probably looking at Bontempelli if they don't already have them and certainly seems like a good excuse to bring him in. So if anyone facing just the butters out, Bont is certainly a fantastic trade-in. Luke Jackson seems like a pretty handy out considering all the constraints we've been talking to so far and mostly around the fact that Proust to a similarly priced ruck doesn't really get you much apart from Luke Jackson. Ron Marshall, for example, just scored 55 playing with Ryder and splitting that ruck time. So He's also still been playing through injury. Like, a, yeah, it feels like the kind of thing you're going to be burning another trade on down the track. Let's finish with some rookie chat. So just want to call out some of the top potential trading options for the week. Judson Clark on the bubble. Patrick Parnell in the back line on the bubble as well. And the fresh debutante, D'Ambrosio off 102k playing his debut. Looks like he'll get another game again. How would you rank each of those three players? Parnell's actually looked pretty good off the two games. He looks like he's secured a back line spot. Would you pick him over D'Ambrosio and Clark's looking pretty good as well as a mid-forward DPP looking like his ability to play through the wing and be a little bit of an effective small forward. I don't know if Rioli's going to usurp him for a spot anytime soon based on what we've seen so far. How would you rank those three options, Donk? Uh, if I was taking a defender, I'd take D'Ambrosio for sure. He looks like he should play every week for the Bombers. He's exactly the sort of player that we need coming out of there, especially with McGrath out. So McGrath looked like he was going to play defense for the rest of the year, but he's out for two to three weeks with an adductor strain. And Jugson Clark looks fine. I don't think he looked better than fine, but he's looked okay. Has anyone not bought in Jugson Clark yet? Surely he's, I don't know, I'm putting him in on debut. I don't think anyone's, uh, I feel like he's in every side already. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mark. D'Ambrosio looked great. And he's also has the advantage of being absolute bargain price. Like $20,000 at this point in the year, and it really goes a long way. I am ruining the fact that I took Anglin over. I was just going to take a mid-def 
donut for 102K. And I was like, oh no, I'll take Anwood. That seems like a really good decision. Uh, he scored me 13 points and is now a mid-def donut. So I'm just 20K down. Johnson Clark is in one of every five teams <clears throat> and is the second most popular trade in target at the moment. But yeah, I think 102K rookie in the back line looks particularly tempting. The challenge is, I think there's been a few backline downgrades in recent weeks where there weren't many for quite a few weeks preceding that. So I think there's quite a few of us who have freshly filled backline spots. So if you don't have Judson looking for a downgrade outside of the backline, he certainly is looking like the best option outside of that this week. All right, that wraps up our show for the week. We're going to record a bit of a bonus content for our patrons. Any final thoughts for the week, Doc? Uh, not really, mate. I'm glad that the bides are over and looking forward to a full, full schedule of footy for the weekend. And uh, hopefully I can stay in front of you and in the top 5K. CJ? Just to comment that it's really nice to see my team of full premiums playing this week, even if three of them are injured. It's nice to at least look at my projected score and see it sitting at a healthy 2,500 plus and before all the carnage that happens on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We can, we can start the week with optimism. All right, awesome. I am hoping that my team maintains its form for the season so far because on projections moving forward, that puts me in a decent shot to uh, try and reclaim the lead from yourself, Doc, but uh, we know that's first half of the season is always a good indicator of the second. I'm sure everyone's really excited that they get to play their full teams for the next few rounds. Funny enough, even though we started with 35 trades, seeing the tone change on Twitter and on social media around the trades left following what has been very aggressive trade has been pretty hilarious to see. A lot of commentary around not needing our trades to now, oh my God, I do not have enough trades for some of this late season carnage. Hopefully you're not in that basket, but otherwise to give people hope at this stage in the season in prior years, three or four trades would be what people were rolling the dice with. So it's not that absurd, even though we're facing more out than we would otherwise like to popular players at this stage. So good luck for the week and we'll catch you all very soon. See ya. Bye. See ya. Yeah. 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 Yeah.